Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap for Jesus, everybody. He's the reason why we're here. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We feel your presence. We know that you're here. Hallelujah, Jesus. My, oh my. What a deep flow that we feel in this house. Amen. I've had several men of God that pray with me when I travel that have texted me and and, they, and they're acquainted with Antioch as well. And they just said, I feel deep calling. Amen. And I just feel like the first of the year, it's like the Lord spoke to me and told me one word, fullness. And I feel like we're, we're transitioning as the church from a fraction of what God has, from a fraction of anointing, from a fraction of purpose, from the fraction to the fullness of what God has for us. We've seen a fraction of God's promises. We've seen a fraction of His, His prophecies coming to, but now we're moving to fullness. That implies maturity. That implies that the process has had its perfect work. How many are ready for God's fullness in their lives right now? I believe that. Amen. But it is good. Good to be back at Antioch. I, uh, I love to come here. I don't know how little old me from Iowa, little Iowa boy, little farmer boy. I'm not even a farmer. I'm not a city boy. I'm not a, I don't know where I fit. But got Iowa. I know that's a little corny, but... Uh, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I try to be funny after Brother... Uh, Stu Mott gets up here that the Bible's truth. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Stu Mott. Amen. How many appreciate Stu Mott? Amen. I got to meet his wife today. Amen. That was a joy. She is, she's just as sweet as can be, and that's exactly what Brother Mott needed. Amen. Amen. Good to meet you. Amen. And thank you to Jay Lynn coming and picking me up, taking me around. I was sitting at the restaurant with another pastor I'd preached for, and all of a sudden, as we're sitting at the restaurant, we're done eating. I'm waiting for Jay Lynn to show up because we get, we had a specific time, had a few minutes. I'm sitting there, and I am waiting for Brother Jay Lynn to show up on time because he was on time. But he showed but before he did, in pulled this Maserati. I didn't even know what a Maserati is. It's a fancy car, but it pulled up. I said... I said, is that him? And the pastor that I was with, he said, if that's him, I'm going to quit pastoring. I'm going to come be on staff at Antioch right now. Amen. But I'm thankful for Jalen, young men that are hungry, Kevin Brickenridge and Mike McGurk, all the young men. I give honor to hungry young men. My friend, Brother Middleton and all the leadership. I honor you. I honor Bishop. And Mother Wright, I honor David Wright, my good friend. Amen. You're blessed here. But I thought I thought the girls were uh, with, with Pastor Wright. I didn't know. And I got the, amen, Elizabeth and Esther got to stay here. Amen. So glad that they're here. As well as the, they were there. You were there. So Facebook didn't lie to me. Amen. All right. I was trying to stalk and see who was here. All right. Amen. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. If you're a first-time guest, we honor you. Thank you for sacrificing time to be with us here today. You have so many choices that you could have chose, but you came to be with us. Thank you. 
But if you have your Bibles, you have your Bibles, would you open those to the Gospel of Luke? I feel like God has a word for us this, this morning that He wants to settle some things in our heart and our spirit. Because He's about to take us some places we've never been and if we don't settle these things in our heart and spirit now, we won't have time to settle them then and there. So Luke chapter 10, we're going to start reading at verses 25. When you got it, say, holler at me, say, I got it. Amen. That's how we talk in Iowa. Amen. Luke 10, 25, the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? And how readest thou? Because Jesus was making the point, it's not just what you read. It's how you read it that determines what you get out of it. So with that being said, he answered and said, The the lawyer, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering and said, A certain man, everybody say, A certain man, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Somebody say half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he had passed by on the other side. Somebody say the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him somebody say he cares and on the morrow when he departed he took out two pence gave them to the host and said unto him take care of him somebody say he cares And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. And now we think because the parable's over that the thought is concluded. But no, the thought continues in verse 38. And now, somebody say now. It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. 
But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And this morning I feel so heavy in my spirit to to answer a question. That if you have not asked it, there's somewhere along the walk with God, your walk with God, where you will ask it. But I feel to answer that question, and that question is this. Does the Lord even care? We know He does here. But when we begin to flesh it out, when we begin to live it out, does the Lord even care? So if you would, would you set your Bibles down, their hands up and your heads lifted. Would you begin to pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come here knowing that without you we can do nothing. So, Father, we ask that you would anoint our ears to hear, our mouth to speak, O God, our hearts to receive. I pray that you would seal and settle in us the fact of what you have once did and what you are doing now, that you do care, you do know where we are, O God. And we bind every hindering spirit, whether human or demonic. And we pray, O God, that your word would go forth with clarity and be confirmed in this house today. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Bump your neighbor and just say, he cares. Amen. And you may be seated. The gospel writer Luke is not only known for his His witness of all that Jesus said and did in His earthly ministry. But the Gospel writer Luke also wrote the book of Acts. An historical record of the birth of of the church and the continuation of all that Jesus said and did. But Luke was not only an historian, but Luke by profession was a physician. He was a care giver, a care provider. And knowing that he was not only an historian, but he was a caregiver, he had eye an eye for detail to see things that not everybody else saw. Because if you know a physician or any caregivers, a nurse of some sort, you will know that by profession... They have an eye to see things that not everybody sees. They can zoom in on details that nobody would would even think about. And this is why I believe Luke in his gospel and also the book of Acts, he records 52 chapters of some of the most complete and detailed and thorough works and 52 chapters in that are the most complete in all of your Bible because him being the physician that he was, he, he could see things about the practice of the great physician that the other gospel writers could not see. So with this in mind, let's look at the, the story of that we know so familiar as the story of the Good Samaritan. In Luke 10 and 25, it starts and says, And behold, a certain lawyer or a doctor of the law stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus quickly responds and says, Well, what are you reading in the law? 
But not only what are you reading, how are you reading it, recognizing that it's not just what you read, it's how you read it that determines what you will get out of it and what you will receive from it. And with that being said, he said, well, um, you should, you should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said this, in this answer, he said, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? And this doctor of the law has now asked a question looking for a way out of fulfilling his responsibility. He's looking for a way out saying, who is, well, well, who really, who, who really is my neighbor? And while he is looking for a way out, Jesus takes this question as an opportunity to make his way in when he was trying to look for a way out. So when he asked him this question, Jesus begins to respond with a parable that was not just a story of how to love your neighbor better and how to treat humans uh, through in this life. But this parable begins uh, to unravel as a parabolic preview of all that Jesus was and who that Jesus was and what Jesus would do in his earthly ministry. So with the platform of a question, who is my neighbor? Jesus looks at this as an opportunity to show this doctor of the law something that he had never seen, to know something that he had never known. He took it as an opportunity to reveal himself within the confines of this parable. So he goes in and Jesus answered and said, a certain man. Somebody say a certain man. A certain man. First, before we get to understand who the Samaritan is, we must understand who the certain man in the parable is that Jesus first identifies. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem to Jericho was one of the most well-traveled roads in Israel because every Jewish person would travel that road at least three times a year. They would make their way down. This was like Jewish life. If you've ever lived as a Jew, you would travel this road. It was so familiar that they knew exactly what he was talking about on this road. This is the same road that Jesus would ride on a donkey in his triumphant entry. This is the same road where he'll reach out to blind Bartimaeus or in reverse, blind Bartimaeus will reach out to him, thou son of David, on that same road. This was equated to Jewish life. But on this road, a certain man fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. This half dead is significant because it is referring to our humanity. Because in creation, when God created Adam, He created Adam out of the earth, but performed him in the flesh. But then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a dual-natured 
being. He was of flesh, but he was also of spirit, making him that dual-natured being. But when God said to Adam, Adam, for the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And you know the story. They ate that fruit, but Adam just didn't kill over and die right then and there. He was still walking around in the fullness of his flesh. But just because he was walking around, just because he was still alive, just because he still alive, uh, just because he was still walking around in flesh, that didn't mean that he was alive. Because he may have ate of that fruit and he may have still been walking around in flesh, but his spirit man had died that day. So that through that wound of sin, he had been left half. So Jesus in this parable was referencing our humanity. Who was that certain man? That certain man was you. That certain man was me. We, because we've all been wounded. We've all traveled this road called life. We've all been stripped and left naked on the side of the road. And we've all been half dead. This was Jesus making reference to our humanity because this is our initial role in the whole story. This story is a literal microcosm of everything that Jesus was and everything that Jesus would do. Scaled down so that we could receive. So our role in the story begins with a certain man wounded in sin, left half dead. Stripped, left naked, beaten. But then the Bible says, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. These two men come down that same road. But when they see the man, the half-dead man, the recognize the wound, recognize his, him being naked and stripped, they walk by on the other side. In contrast to the certain man not crossing the road to help or to assist because these two men represent the law and the prophets. Because the law were the priest, but the Levites were the prophetic people that were to operate within the priesthood. So these two men represent the law and the prophets or your Old Testament Bible. Because what they did was in contrast to the certain man. The priest could not cross the road because if he Crossed the road, he would have been defiled. So all he was there to do was to define that there is a problem. He was not there to fix the problem. He was only there to define the problem. And that is what the law and the prophets were put in place to do. They were not there to fix the problem. They were just there to identify and define that there is a problem and there is a need for somebody to come along like a Savior that can cross the road undefiled and solve the problem. So now the law and the prophets, uh, they cross on the other side of the road because it was not their job to fix what had been done wrong. And indeed, they did not have the power to fix the problem or care for the wound. But the Bible says this, but a... Certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came 
to where he was. He crossed the road. But to understand why on earth would Jesus pick a Samaritan to identify himself with? That he himself would journey that same journey and come to where we were in our half-dead state. But you have to understand a Samaritan. A Samaritan were half-breeds. In their origin, their nativity was when the, the Jewish nation or Israel was carried away to Babylon. They left many of the women behind to tend to the field. They would take many of the men and the talented and the best of the youth. But they would leave many of the women behind to tend to the fields in Jerusalem and Israel. So who the Samaritans were, you had these Israelite mothers, but in would come the foreign fathers. And they would have children with the Israelite mothers. And they produced the Samaritans. And they were considered to be illegitimate children. They were considered to be half-breeds and would be rejected by Israel. But Jesus said, but a certain Samaritan. Because this reminds me of another seeming illegitimate child that was born in a Bethlehem manger that Israel would reject that was seemingly a half-breed. But he wasn't a half-breed. He was fully God and he was fully man. But that Samaritan born in a Bethlehem, he crossed the road. He was willing to journey where they could not journey and cross the road where they could not cross. But a certain Samaritan, because Jesus was a seeming illegitimate child who had an Israelite mother and a foreign father. His father wasn't from that country. His father wasn't even from that world. But the Holy Ghost overshadowed that Israelite mother. She said, I've not known a man. That's the point. You're undefiled. And I'm going to use you to produce that which can cross the road and can fix the problem. Somebody, you need to shout yes right now. Clap your hands and just love him for a moment. Because you've got to understand that Jesus was that Samaritan because he was talking to a doctor of the law who would consider him to be illegitimate, who would consider him to have an Israelite mother but a foreign father. You've got to understand he was talking to a doctor of the law trying to show him something he'd never seen before. Trying to put it out there in a palatable way where they could receive it where they would not receive it. But you've got to understand, I love this part because this shows how much he cares. But a certain Samaritan, keep, keep it up on the screen, verse 30. And Jesus answering said, or no, we go down verse 33. But a Samar- certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, that means that he was willing to walk down that same road where that certain man had been wounded, to be tempted and tried by the same thieves, to be on, on tempted, tempted, to be stripped of everything he had. He went down that same road, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He came down. The Father robed himself in flesh, willing to walk down the same road, go through the same things, face the same trials, and that's how much he cared that he 
came down in the same flesh, walking in the same dust that our feet were walking in, feeling the same feelings. You never thought that he got depressed or thought depressive thoughts. I'm telling you, he went through everything. Because as he journeyed, I love this part, because God didn't only just come down to journey where we journeyed, but the next part says, and he came to where he was. He came to do what the law and the prophets could not do. He came to cross the road to step into an abusive home. He crossed the road to step into an alcoholic's marriage. He crossed the road and came to some young person that didn't know if they were good enough to be loved by God. He crossed the road to meet with a half dead man that didn't have anything and was on his way to hell. Hear me right now. God didn't only come down. He came too. And that's how much He cares. That's how much He loves you. He didn't just come down. But He came too. He came to a 17-year-old drug addict. He came to a 17-year-old that had lost his father and lost some people in his life. He came to where I was. That's how much he cares. But when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Compassion can only come to people who can make the change. You can have sympathy if you don't have the ability to change the outcome. But to have compassion means I can do something about what I just saw. So you can have sympathy for somebody if you can't change the outcome. But this Samaritan had compassion. He saw something wrong. He saw the wound. He saw the bruises. And he said, I can do something about that. But then watch the next verse. I love this just keeps getting better. And he, it keeps reinforcing. And went to him. That's individualized. Came to him. And watch what he does. He bound up his wounds. He was going to stop the bleeding. He was going to stop the effects of what had been done in his life. He was going to stop the, the, that wound that had been inflicted upon him on that road called life. But watch how he does it. Watch how he administers care. The great physician. Remember Lucas seeing all this. But watch, the Bible says, here's how he does it. Pouring in oil. And wine. In other words, that Samaritan, when he came to where he was, he seen the wound. He, man, that's bad. But then he bound up the wounds. And he poured out oil and he poured out wine. He, here's how he cared. Here's how he administered care. He poured out two things. 
He poured out the oil. He poured out the wine. Wine was always considered to be the blood of a grape. And that's why Jesus handed to his disciples at the Last Supper. He said, this is the cup of the New Testament. My blood, which is shed for you. But also oil has always been a type of the Spirit. You want to know how Jesus or the Samaritan addressed the wound? He poured out two things. He poured out his blood and he poured out his Spirit. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. I've come to fix the wound by pouring out my blood and pouring out of my spirit. Here's how much he cares. He came down. He came to. He stopped the bleeding by pouring out his blood and then pouring out his spirit to stop the effects of the wound of sin. He cared enough that he would come into your broken home where daddy would used to throw mom up against the wall. He would come to you. And he would pour out his spirit. And he would pour out. Because you want to know what wine is used for in medicinal purposes back in those days? Wine or attributed blood. Wine would be poured into a wound to stop the inward infection that infiltrated because of the wound. But oil would be for the inflammation or the outward effects of an inward infection. But here's my here's one of my favorite parts. You ready? He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. But then he says this, and set him on his own beast. I love this. Because when this Samaritan, I'm going to use you, you're going, he, he goes, he bounds up that wound. He pours out the blood. He pours out his, or let me say it, oil and wine. And then he says, set him on his own beast. First, that means that that Samaritan that came to where that half-dead man was, He was riding a beast of burden. Because that beast is in reference to one or one of two beasts, either a donkey or an ox, and you don't ride oxes. Oxes are for work, donkeys are for travel. So here's what that good Samaritan, here comes that good Samaritan riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of an ass. See, he's given a parable showing this doctor of the law here's what I'm here for and what I'm going to do because he comes riding down that same road that a few chapters later Jesus himself will come riding on a donkey the colt the foal of an ass do you understand he was saying I'm getting you ready prepared acclimated for what I'm about to do because that Samaritan came riding on a donkey just like Jesus himself would come riding down that same exact road where they will be waving palm branches saying Hosanna in the highest. He said that Samaritan came riding on a donkey as well. But when he got to where the half dead man was, he picked up that half dead man who could not lift up himself and said, here's what we're going to do. Come on right now. I've got my donkey over here. I want you to ride my donkey and set him on his own beast. In other words, that tells us what Jesus did. Jesus came and he said, here, let me carry you Would you where you could not carry yourself? But then he swapped places with him. 
He said, I want you to ride where I rode and I'll walk where you walked. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He took my cross. He climbed that hill for me. He said, you sit where I sat as a son and I'll walk where you walked as a sinner. Come on, somebody. That's one of my favorite parts right there. The fact that Jesus swapped places with a 17-year-old drug addict. The fact that he took my place so that I could take his as a son. Because watch this. Because many people don't know about the theology of what Jesus actually did. Jesus actually carried my cross. He carried my sin. And he came to where I was so that he could swap places with me. And he said, he has made us to sit together with him in heavenly places. That's why 2 Corinthians, pull this up for me. 2 Corinthians 5 and 9, or 5 and 21 says this. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He was the righteousness, but became sin. I was the sin, but became righteousness. That's how much He cared for me. That He picked me up when I couldn't carry myself. And He swapped places. He took my place so that I could take His as the righteousness. Of God. But it just keeps going. It doesn't stop. Go back to Luke chapter 10. Bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own own beast and swapped places. But then he brought him to an inn. In verse 34. Because the Samaritan had initiated the healing process. He had initiated his care for this man. But carried him to a place, a locale that he knew was safe. That the wound would not become reinfected. To a place where the healing could continue. Because the Samaritan didn't just want to initiate healing. But he wanted restoration. Wholeness. But the inn, many if you if you're trying to read into this, many of you might think the inn is the church. But the inn is not the church. The inn is just the place where the healing happens, where people are gathered. But watch now. The Bible says he took care of him. He continued to care for him. He didn't just come and do what he did, but he continued to care. Because he didn't want to just take care of the problem of sin or problem, the wound that was inflicted. But he wanted that man to come to full strength. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, it says that to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world. That word reconcile means returning to an original state. He came to reconcile the world. To restore us to the state before the wound. Before the thief did what the thief did. Stripping me. But you've got to understand, keep going. I don't have much time, so I'm going to try to keep on going. Well, I know that's all good for you to say, but I'm hungry. 
Go ahead, preach hours. I'm hungry. I had a mint for breakfast. That's my problem. But watch, this keeps going now. Keep following me down. And on the morrow, I love this part. It just keeps getting better. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the... There's the church. Watch what he did. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him... So here's the scenario. Brother Mott, you ready? That Samaritan, after he had poured out the oil and the wine and picked him up and swapped places with that half-dead man, this is what happens. He takes out, he says, I've got to leave. I've got to go. But before I go, I'm going to give you what you need. Here's what I'm going to do. Watch me now. He takes out two pence. He gives them to the host. The host is the church. See, watch now. He gives it to the host. And he said, i got to depart. I've got to go. But I'm going to give you what you need to finish what I started and to do what I did. Take care of him. And that's exactly what Jesus did in Acts chapter 1. He says, for ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Annapolis, in Baltimore, in all of Maryland, and to the uttermost parts. What Jesus did, He gave them a promise. He said, I've got to depart. I've got to ascend to the Father. But I'm going to give you the promise of my Spirit so you can do what I did and finish what I started. So when He gave you the Holy Ghost, He gave you everything that you would need to do what He did and to finish what He started. Because here's my understanding. There comes a point in a time for the church where you go from being the victim and being the half-dead man to where you realize that you're the host. And I've got what I need to do what Jesus did. Because He that believeth on Me and the works that I do shall He do also and greater works than these we've got what it takes to do what he did and to finish what he started take care of him and i believe that's where we are antioch i believe that that's the shift that we're now feeling that we're going from being the half dead victim that's been wounded in this life and been damaged and beat up in this life but he came down to show you how much he cares he came too to show you how much he cares he poured out his blood and his spirit to show you but it's time for us to step out of one role in the parable to another role no longer the certain man, but we're the host that God gave to us when He was about to depart and ascend. He said, I'm going to give you what you need. And He said, take care of Him. But this is, I love this part. Now, if you don't shout over this, I'm going to tell Bishop. I'm going to tell Pastor. I'm going to let Brother Mott sort it out. Because he says, 
after he imparts to the host, give me my money. You ain't getting far, I tell you. But watch now. After he imparted to the host, he said, take care of him. But now, and then he says, whatever thou spendest more. In other words, in, 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 in insisting that it's going, it's going to cost you some extras. In other words, it might cost you to take care of them like I cared for you. It's going to cost you some sleepless nights. It might, it might cost, listen, it might cost you some tears. It might cost you a little gas money. It might cost you a little something to care for somebody like God cared for you. It might cost you a little sacrifice. It might cost you your pride. It might cost you some things. But listen, he says, whatever thou spendest more, it's going to cost you a few years of sacrifice and faithfulness. It's going to cost you something. But what he says next is what gets me. He says, whatever thou spendest more, when I come again. What he just said, when I come again, not if I come again. Jesus was saying, when I come again, I'm going to make it worth it. Everything you gave up, everything you sacrificed, you hear me, Antioch. Every tear you cried, every prayer you prayed, every day you fasted. He's saying, when I come again, I will. It's going to be worth it all. Come on, somebody clap your hands. If you believe it's about to be worth it all. My God. My God, so if you ever begin to question, is my sacrifice going to be worth it? If you've asked that question, man, I'm doing all this, is it going to even matter? If you've thought that in your mind, I'm going to question your theology of the second coming. Because if you truly know that that Samaritan... That once poured out his blood and poured out his spirit. That swapped places with you just to let you know you care. He cares. He said, I'm, I'm going to come again. And when I do, I'm going to repay thee. I wish Bishop could hear me right now. Bishop, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Mother Wright, it's going to be worth it all. Every season of darkness and night, every tear cried, every time you watch somebody walk away and you gave it to God and trusted Him with that perfect peace, it's all going to be worth it. But now, the parable's over. And after some of the most thorough 
and complete details of who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and how much He cares. He cared so much that He came down. He came to. He would cross the road. He would would have compassion. He would pour out His Spirit. He would pour out the oil, the wine. He would bind up the wounds and stop the bleeding. Swapping places with that man. Spend the darkest hours of that night waiting on that man, helping him to get back to where he once was. That's how much he cared. Gave to the host and said, Here, continue to care for those that I've brought to you. Continue to love. Continue. Take care of him. All because he cared about you. But then, he says, when I come again, whatever it takes to get them where they need to be, on their feet again, whatever it takes, spend the more and I will repay you. He goes through some of the most thorough and detailed. A physician. This is like Luke's medical report of the care that was provided. But then, after the parable is concluded, Bible says in verse 38 now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain city or a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house but as Mary is trying or Martha is trying to get everything just right because Jesus came to a certain village into a certain woman She has him in her house and she's trying to make everything perfect. Trying to prepare for the visitation she was believing for. She gets busy doing what she knew to do. The Bible says she was encumbered about with much serving. That word serving means ministry. She got so busy trying to get everything perfect. Get everything just right because she knew that Jesus was coming. But then why she's getting everything right, trying to do everything she knew so it could be perfect when he got there, her little sister Mary says, I've got to go see him. And she runs in the other room and sits at Jesus' feet, left Martha all alone. Now Martha's in the kitchen going through what she's going through all by herself. She's now suffered loss. People have left her. That was a part of what she was doing. And she's there in the kitchen wondering, how could she leave me in this point at this time? So Martha, she goes into the living room and she goes to Jesus and she says, Lord, dost thou even care what my sister did to me? Lord, do you even care, she said. See, even after some of the most detailed and thorough knowledge of how much he cares. Why she had her hand to the plow doing what she knew to do. She even questioned. Do you even care? 
Jesus, do you even know where I am? Do you know what I'm feeling? Do you know the inner turmoil that I'm, I got going on? The emotions that I'm feeling that I can't even articulate to my family. Do you know where I am? Do you even care? But I felt in the Holy Ghost today that before we move forward, and get busy with ministry and get busy with harvest and get busy with all the things that have been laid out before we get busy we've got to settle it today we've got to seal it in our spirit that he knows exactly where I am because it's in the setting it's in the setting when it says now it came to pass as they went, that he entered into a certain. That means it wasn't just any village. And he came to a certain woman. That means it wasn't just any woman. And listen to me, Antioch. Jesus has come not to just any city. Jesus has come not to just anybody. But He handpicked Martha knowing knowing all that she would do and the intricate part that she would play in the big scheme of things. Antioch, you are the Martha. You are so intertwined in the big scheme of what God has planned. But don't get so busy that when people do what they do, you base God's care off of what people have done to you. I want us all to stand right now. It doesn't matter who left. It doesn't matter who said what they said. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter where you are. He came here today to where you are once again to let you know how much He cares that He would pour Himself out for you. So I want you to close your eyes right now. God is pulling on somebody. I want you to lift your hands because Antioch, God is taking you somewhere. And He is about to accelerate His plan and His purpose. And if you don't settle this tonight or this morning, you won't have time to settle it tomorrow. So if you're ready in this house, I want you to reach over to somebody and I want you to say He cares to them. I want you to grab them by the hand. Let them know that they're not alone in this house. And I want you to say, come on, come with me. And I want you to come down to this altar and say, let's settle it once and for all. Let's settle it in once and for all. He does care. He does know. Come on, husband, bring your wife. Come on, God didn't bring you this far to fail you, but to let you know how much He cares. So bring your wife, bring your brother, bring your, just bring them right now and say, He cares. Come on, reach out to that visitor and say, Would you mind? Would you mind letting God love you right now? Would you mind letting God show you how much He cares for you right now? And just lift your hands all over this house. Come on, keep moving forward. There's people getting blocked in the aisle. Keep pressing forward. 
because God is going to confirm His care with healing right now. Healing in your emotions. Healing in your mind. Healing in your body. He's going to confirm His care for you. Come on, Antioch. Reach over to that person you know is a visitor or a guest with us. And reach out and give them the same care that you were cared with. on there's a deep ministry in this house right now come on young man settle it it doesn't matter what your daddy did because God cares that's it young lady it doesn't matter how they made you feel like he made you feel he cares come on he's coming to where you are He's coming to that broken marriage. He's coming to that confusion and that loneliness. Right now, He cares. Come on, pray. Speak with authority. He cares. Let God lead you. Let God heal you. Let God carry you. Let Him swap places with you. Just lift your hands and receive ye the Holy Ghost right now. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He's pouring out His Spirit right now. 